All right, and welcome in, everybody. It is a Tuesday night. We are talking the latest in Georgia news, though tonight it's actually going to be a little bit of a different show from our usual traditional three-point format. But my name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in coverage. We do this every Tuesday night, and yet I still can't get the intro down, Pat. But we talk Georgia football, Georgia recruiting, whatever is in the news. And obviously this, this past week, really, ever since last Wednesday, it has been the possible SEC expansion or addition, really, of Texas and Oklahoma and what that potentially means. There's been a ton of news about this, and you're probably wondering it yourself, how am I supposed to keep up with this? What does all this mean? When will Texas and Oklahoma be in the SEC? Are they even in the SEC? When does that, what does this all mean for Georgia? What does the future of the schedule look like for Georgia? I'm sure you have a ton of questions. So tonight we're going to use this show and sort of try and simplify things the best we can, answer your questions so we can really get down and explain where things are as they currently stand with the SEC expansion, where Texas and Oklahoma stand at this point in time, what it ultimately I think means for Georgia and where things go from here as this situation sort of continues to mushroom and ripple out there. So we're going to talk sort of breaking it instead of our usual three segments, we're going to do things we know for sure, things we think, and then what comes next with all of this. And so to get things started, we're going to go with what we know, start with everything that we sort of know that is on the record, on fact, on table. And so I've got a couple of full screens here. We're going to walk you through it again. This is everything that we know to this point about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, leaving the Big 12, what it all sort of means. Texas and Oklahoma have said they will be leaving the Big 12. They made that official announcement on Monday. They said they will be leaving at the expiration of their current media rights deal with the Big 12 following the 2025 season. Then today, Texas and Oklahoma formally requested to be invited into the SEC in 2025. We will pull up now the statement that Greg Sankey put out today, sort of announcing this to everybody. The University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas, two esteemed academic institutions with storied athletic programs, today submitted a request for invitation to become members of the Southeastern Conference, and here's the key date, in 2025, while the SEC has now proactively sought new members, we will pursue significant change when there is clear consensus among our members that such actions will further enrich the experiences of our student-athletes and lead to greater academic and athletic achievement across our campuses. The president and the chancellors of the SEC, in their capacity as the conference's chief executive officers, will consider these requests in the near future. Per the bylaws of the SEC, a vote of at least three-fourths of the SEC's 14 members is required to extend a formal invitation. So sort of synthesizing all that, using a word that is too big for my vocabulary, essentially we'll work from the bottom up there on Sankey's statement. When he says three-fourths of the league, he means 11 out of the 14 members must vote yes for Texas and Oklahoma to join the league. And if you've paid attention or know anything about how the SEC tends to vote on league matters – they all tend to be in lockstep. It's usually 14-0 or in very rare cases, 13-1. to Last year, when they were trying to decide whether or not to play out-of-conference games, despite schools like Florida, Kentucky having sort of ACC rivalries, they all voted 13-1. to The lone holdout was South Carolina and because in large part due to their game against Clemson. These teams do not deviate very often. They want to be in lockstep. They want to be in consensus. So when this vote does happen, expect it to be 14-0, to even if schools like, say, Texas A&M and Missouri have legitimate reasons for objections to this. The next thing, the SEC presidents will meet very shortly. We know that, and we'll touch on that a little bit more at the end, but we know that the SEC presidents are set to meet this Thursday in all likelihood, to discuss what is going to come next with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. 
from there. They want to enrich the student-athlete experience. Quite frankly, I think that's a load of crock. I think this is all about making more conference for the mo- for more money for the conference, and thus that trickling down to these institutions. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are two of the biggest brands in the country, two of the biggest football powers out there. And if you can add them to your conference, especially with you starting a new television deal, I believe at the start of the 2024 season with ESPN, you have a chance to bring in even more money, get even more television sets, more eyeballs, really and make your schools more money. Get Make no mistake about this. This is not to improve the on-field product when it comes to the SEC or improve the sport of college football as a whole. This is to make the SEC and the current 14 institutions in the conference more money. That is all that adding Texas and Oklahoma is about. That gives them the opportunity to do so, and because of that, the SEC is going to continue to pursue this. The last sort of thing we're going to touch on there is what they said at the top, that they are – applying to join the SEC in 2025. And the reason that they picked that date is because that is when the Big 12 media rights currently expire. And thanks to some reporting at the Austin American Statesman, we also know how much it would cost for Texas and Oklahoma to want to join the SEC for next season. And it is not a a cheap and easy decision to make because per their reporting, Texas and Oklahoma would each owe $76 million each if they wanted to buy out the rest of their contracts and join the SEC for this upcoming season. Now, Texas and Oklahoma are two of the most well-off schools in the country in terms of revenue, in terms of making money, in terms of being a well-run student or or not student organization, an athletic association. In Texas, obviously, they print money down there. They have the Longhorn Network as a revenue source. But $76 million in the midst of a pandemic, a year after so many schools cried poor and had to try and cut sports as a way to find cost cutting measures. That is still a lot of money to just throw around as opposed to obviously if you wait a little bit longer, that continues to deescalate over time, which is part of the reason why I think while they will be in the SEC, I think well before 2025, I wouldn't be all that surprised if it happens, maybe even sooner than that, but maybe not as soon as 2022. I do think that there's motivation for Texas and Oklahoma to get into the SEC. The sooner they do that, the sooner they can start selling that to recruits and the easier it is to sort of build their programs as SEC programs, as opposed to if you're 2025 and and that's the year they finally join the SEC, you can't really use that as a viable recruiting pitch until probably two, three years down the line because guys who come in this season will be seniors in that 2025 season. And, And if you're pitching that to top recruits, Most of those guys are expecting to be out of there before we get to that point. So sort of recapping what we know, Texas and Oklahoma have formally said they will leave the Big 12. They have formally asked to join the SEC, and we know that at some point there will be a vote in which they need 11 out of the 14 current members of the SEC to say yes to this. And the big date to note is of right now is 2025. In terms of that is when the Big 12 rights expire. That is when the SEC expects them to join. But that is obviously going to change over the things over the days to come. So moving on, that's what we know right now. Those are the tangible things that we know. A lot of this or a lot of the news surrounding this is conjecture and what comes next and what this might mean. So we're going to move on to what we think we know about SEC expansion and what comes next with that. And so I've got a couple of full screens here of points that I really would like to make. The college football playoff will expand. I feel like we're all pretty confident on that. I mean, it seems ages ago back in June now that that seemed to be the big offseason story of the year, and this sort of just blows it out of the water. The college football is set to expand. It is believed to 12 teams, 
But Bill Hancock, the college football playoff executive director, has said that that will take place no sooner than 2023. I think that's a very important date to keep in mind as you look at Texas and Oklahoma potentially trying to join the SEC. The SEC will get a chance to redo its current schedule, which I do, which I do believe a lot of people are not happy or satisfied with, given Texas and a, Texas and M and Georgia have not yet played in College Station. Texas A&M joined the league in 2012, and Georgia is not set to visit there until the 2024 season. What does all this mean? They actually have a couple of different directions to go to as far as do they go to a nine-game schedule or stay at their current eight-game schedule. And even more than that, do they keep divisions or do they go to a pod system? And before we get to our final point and really what I think about what this all means for Georgia, I want to further explain what the sort of schedule breakdown A looks like and B, the, the ramifications that would come from that. So up first, this is the hypothetical SEC divisions format if you add Oklahoma and Texas. The New East would be Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and Alabama. You move Auburn and Alabama from the SEC West into the SEC East. The New West is Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, LSU, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. You bring in Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12, and then to get eight teams in each division, you move Missouri from the SEC East into the SEC West because they do probably fit a little bit better geographically with the likes of the Texas schools, Oklahoma, and and Arkansas as well there. So that's what the hypothetical division setup looks like. Now, you can choose a number of options here to go with what you want for schedule. But I think the assumption out there right now is that the SEC is probably going to move to a nine-game schedule as a way to get every single school to play each other in a four-game, excuse me, in a four-year, in a four-year rotation. Oh, man, I didn't know the right full screen. Anyway, so I'm going to have to explain this with what I want. But schedule if the if you go if you stay with divisions which i actually think at this point in time i might be in favor for over the pod system you play every team in your division that's seven games you play two teams from the other division and that always rotates there will no will no longer be no permanent crossover rivalry game and really the only rivalry games or big sort of games that we know about are lost would be lsu florida and Alabama LSU. And quite frankly, if you ask LSU fans, they might be okay losing both of those games, especially if they have to play Texas and Oklahoma every year on an annual basis. By moving Alabama and Auburn to the SEC East, you keep a lot of those big crossover games still intact. You still get to see Alabama-Tennessee. You still get Georgia-Auburn. Those are believed to be two of the big three crossover games that want to be kept and protected. And I would point out Dan Mullen a few weeks ago, or I guess a week ago at SEC Media Days, made it very clear he's A-OK not having LSU on his schedule every year. So that's sort of a look at the division setup, which quite frankly, I think is maybe a little bit better, a little bit, I have a little bit bigger of a stomach for than compared to the pods division, because I'm going to pull up what a, a pod system would potentially look like. So you would split the 16 league teams into four separate pods. Pod one, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky. Pod two, Alabama, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. Pod three, Texas A&M, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And pod four, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. And I would just point out that this was the hypothetical SEC pods put out by the SEC network the day after the Texas-Oklahoma news sort of broke. So I do think there's some credence to this. And looking at these, these are probably about as well-balanced as you could want. Obviously, Alabama 
as of right now, probably the easiest pod given where Auburn and Tennessee, and I guess if you want to really include Vanderbilt in here for the point of serious discussion, you could, but there's good balance there. Georgia and Florida in pod one, Texas A&M and LSU in pod three, Texas and Oklahoma in pod four. If Auburn can get its act together, there's no real cakewalk or there, there are two good, at least good teams in every division. And we'll see what that means for the teams like Kentucky, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, the Mississippi, Mississippi schools, Missouri and Arkansas. But what this pod system really does is it changes quite a bit from what the traditional SEC schedule has looked like, even from a potential expanded division format. With the pods, you move to a nine-game schedule, which, I, again, I think is going to happen regardless of whether you go with the division route or the pods route. You play each team in your pod every year or annually. That means Georgia plays Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina every season. Those are the three big ones. I spelled rotating wrong here, but they rotate – on a two, they play two teams in each pod, and those teams rotate every single season. So, for example, one year, Georgia would play Alabama and Auburn from one pod. The next year, they would play Tennessee and Vanderbilt from that same pod. Essentially, what that means is that you play and visit every SEC school in a four-year window. That's the big difference from the eight-team from the eight division setup where you're playing every school in a four-year window, but you're not necessarily seeing every campus in a four-year window. However, the pod example does cost us some very big rivalry games. We had already mentioned that LSU-Alabama, whether you move them to the east or move them to a pod, that game looks like it could be in trouble. And quite frankly, for me, that's been the biggest game in college football on a pretty routine basis over the last 10 to 15 years. But from a Georgia perspective, if you go to the pod setup with the pods that we use, Georgia-Auburn is gone. Florida-Tennessee is gone as well. So, And in that pod system, you're not getting Texas A&M and Texas, which I think a lot of people would like to see. So the pod system, while it does get you to the rest of the conference quicker, you do sacrifice some of those big-name rivalry games, which, quite frankly, is what college football is all about. So when it comes to the schedule system or setup, I've tuned to be a little bit more favor in terms of keeping divisions, going to an eight-team setup, and, you know, yes, for Georgia, that means adding Alabama and Auburn. And in the West, you have Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, and Oklahoma. It's, a, it's, again, the pods are a little bit different, but I think with the divisions, you might get a better or a, you might get something closer to what you have now, which... Well, not everyone might always be thrilled about the divisional setup. For a lot of times, it has worked, or at least, you know, if you add Alabama, I think the SEC East certainly becomes a much more competitive uh, uh, division nationally anyway. And while you lose Alabama LSU, I'm not uncertain that Georgia Alabama can't fill that void. Now, obviously, Georgia has to win one of those rivalry games or one of those games for it to really be considered a rivalry, but. For a long time, LSU didn't really do that. They, I believe, won in 2011 and 2019. Those were the only two times over the past decade that that LSU had beaten Alabama. And that game, that contest, and that rivalry was still always very contested and always very physical. I think you could see something similar eventually develop with Georgia and Alabama, especially as long as Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are both there. So the schedule thing is going to be really interesting, and probably from an on-field aspect. That is the biggest impact in terms of what adding Oklahoma and Texas does for the SEC. And the last sort of what we think here is we'll touch on Georgia a little bit more heavily here right now. For Georgia, the school is going to get more money. I think regardless of what they do with the schedule, they're going to see more teams in at least the SEC West and thus the conference as a whole. 
but at the same point in time, they have a tougher path to the playoff. Because as the system currently exists, Georgia benefits, in my opinion, tremendously from playing in the SEC East. Other than Florida, none of those other five schools are really all that serious contenders to beat Georgia, or at least they shouldn't be. But if you move, if you go to the uh, divisional format and you add Alabama and Auburn, you're playing Alabama every year. That easily makes it more difficult for Georgia to get to a college football playoff, whether it be expanded to 12 teams or not. And if you're going to the pod setup, well, it doesn't just always now, while you might not always play Alabama, you're probably playing some combination of Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and LSU every year. And, all, and so you're getting at least probably two of those teams. And maybe if the schedule screws you over, you might get three or maybe even four in some cases. So while you don't see Alabama every year, it's easily a tougher schedule for Georgia. Now, as Brandon Adams brought up on today's show, that might mean a better home schedule. And I absolutely believe there are a lot of Georgia fans out there that would be willing to sacrifice, you know, a game against Vanderbilt that they know they're going to win against a team like, I'll say Texas A&M, for example, because sure, you might lose that game. You have a higher chance of losing, but that's a better game. That's a better atmosphere. That is a better bang for your buck. And as we've said all along, this is all about money for these schools and institutions. And so if it's all about money for the institution, for the school, for the University of Georgia, hopefully that trickles down into the, the, the ticket buyer, the average fan, and that means that does drive some of these prices down. I don't think that's going to happen because that's just not the way college athletics works these days. But it is something to sort of keep in mind, and I absolutely believe there are a lot of fans out there that would like to see Georgia play a more difficult and rigorous or, quite frankly, a better home schedule than what they have seen. This year itself, it's not great once again. UAB, South Carolina, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, and Charleston Southern. That is not a good home slate. And if you're a Georgia ticket buyer, if you're a Georgia football fan that wants to see a game in Sanford Stadium, I certainly understand, well, hey, I'd be okay if Georgia and Oklahoma had to play every other year. I'd be okay if Georgia and Texas A&M have to play every other year. For one, it gets us out there. It gets us out to Norman. It gets us out to College Station. And I will note here as an aside, if the SEC had any sense of humor, they would put off Georgia playing at Texas A&M as long as they could. I just think it'd be perfectly funny. Again, Georgia and Texas A&M aren't set to play till 2024. And if they blow up this schedule by adding Texas and Oklahoma before then, which I think there's a decent chance that ends up happening, it could be even longer before Georgia and Texas A&M end up seeing each other, which is kind of funny given I think a lot of people want to see the schedule change so that you see Georgia and Texas A&M play more often, or at least in College Station and in Athens. So that's sort of what we think about what comes from this in terms of the long range implications where things stand right now. And then obviously going a little bit deeper into what it means for Georgia, but our our last sort of topic, and we'll answer questions after this as well. What comes next with sec expansion? Because it was expected that Texas and Oklahoma were going to announce they were leaving on Monday. It was probably a pretty good idea that the sec was going to acknowledge it and say that Texas and Oklahoma had formally applied to join the conference. That shouldn't have really been all that surprising. Maybe the date of when it happened was, but there are things that still need to be set up and happen in the future. And so I'll pull up our final full screen of the night here. And that's the wrong one. And that's the wrong one. And that's the wrong one. Oh, God dang it. What comes next? Here we go. SEC presidents, they meet on Thursday. Uh, They will absolutely be discussing Texas and Oklahoma and what comes next and what an addition of those two teams looks like. If you're, if you're the SEC right now, you're probably trying to get Texas and Oklahoma in as soon as you can, or at least 
as soon as you can before the start of that new TV deal, which starts with ESPN and Disney starting in, I believe, 2024. And there was the thought as well that the SEC is going to, or ESPN, excuse me, is going to buy out CBS the last years on those contract and start the big ESPN 330 game between SEC foes sooner rather than later. Texas and Oklahoma will at least play out the 2021-2022 season in the Big 12. How much farther along that goes, we don't know. It'll be interesting to see. One thing I would note, when we had talked about playoff expansion, think back to that. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, was on the exploratory committee in terms of dividing up and figuring out, okay, how do we make the college football playoff more inclusive for everyone else? Greg Sankey was absolutely aware of what Texas and Oklahoma were doing this whole time. They knew that they had reached out. There had been reports from the Austin American Statesman that Texas and Oklahoma had been working on this for at least six months. This is not a new development to the SEC. So think about what has been put forth by the playoff committee and what it potentially looks like going forward. And it's very interesting how involved Greg Sankey is both in that and the expansion of Texas and Oklahoma. Bill Hancock has said, again, the 2022-2023 season will not have an expanded playoff. But after that, the 2023-2024 season, which is also the same year that the SEC's new television contract with ESPN and Disney is set to kick in, be very interesting if all the dominoes sort of align, or dominoes don't really align, they fall. If everything sort of aligns and comes together for Texas and Oklahoma, I think, to join the SEC for that 2023-2024 season, and sort of new TV deal, new expanded playoff. Because again, if you've got a 16-team conference, good luck getting more than one team in the college football playoff. And yes, Oklahoma is going to be tough. They've made, I believe, four college football playoffs now. They have not won a game yet, but they've been a, a consistent presence in there. You're not expanding the SEC and adding teams like Texas and Oklahoma, without all, but without expanding the playoff as well. Because if you're Georgia, if you're a Texas A&M, Adding those teams makes it exponentially harder for you to get into a four-team playoff. 12-team playoff obviously makes it tougher there as well, but quite frankly, if you're Georgia, you shouldn't be sweating Oklahoma's addition in terms of making it into a 12-team playoff. Winning the SEC, obviously that's going to be a very tough task in a 16-team league. But adding Texas and Oklahoma to the conference before the playoff expands it's going to make things very, very difficult for Georgia in particular because they're already chasing Alabama. And now, while Texas is clearly not there, Oklahoma, I think, is a, a team that is capable, at least on a year-in, year-out basis, of making a possible playoff run. So we know that the SEC presidents are having a meeting. We know that Texas and Oklahoma are, at the very least, going to play out this season. But beyond that, there's not much known. 11 out of the 14 presidents must vote yes, but if you use past history as an indicator, we know these guys are all going to stay in line and vote as one unit. That's what's made the SEC as strong as it is. There's been a lot of concern with Texas, obviously, in particular. Well, is Texas going to boss its way around like it did in the Big 12 and sort of get whatever it wants? That's not happening in the SEC. These are 14 institutions working as one. Alabama has just as much say as Georgia does. I won't say Vanderbilt because I know not everyone believes that, but all these members are equal, and Texas is joining the SEC to be just that, to be another equal. Texas, I don't believe, will have more power in the SEC, and the SEC is well aware that Texas could turn into that. But at the end of the day, Texas and Oklahoma understand that they're going to make a lot more money in the SEC. They're going to be able to tell recruits 
that they're joining the SEC and thus say, hey, not only can we develop you into an NFL player, at least in Oklahoma's standpoint, but now we can do it against playing against other future NFL players. So it's a lot going on. We've got about 28 minutes already so far on this. There is one, and again, this is more of an opinion thing than what is actually coming, and we'll open it up to your questions next year. Who is happy about this? Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are. Bob Stoops wrote a, a column in the Oklahoma today saying this was a good thing for the school, and it undeniably is. So if you're an Oklahoma fan, if you're a Texas fan, you're probably happy about this. It's more money. It's bigger prestige. It, it gets you access. It, it, it helps you recruit better. It makes these programs better by having that association with the SEC. Texas A&M clearly isn't happy. If you're a Georgia fan, you're probably maybe a little indifferent, but you're certainly not happy. If you're a Florida fan, you're not happy. If you're a Georgia fan that wants to see them continue to play Auburn on an annual basis, you're probably not happy. If you're an LSU fan, you're probably not happy. Texas A&M, again, certainly Missouri, not happy. Who is made happy by this? The general college football fan has been completely forgotten and ignored at the expense of the almighty dollar. These schools no longer care about tradition. They do not care about your rivalry games. They do not care uh, about how you spend your fall Saturdays. They care at the end of the day about the money going into their pocket. Adding Texas and Oklahoma adds more money to their pocket. They are not adding Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC to make the football even better. The SEC already is the best football conference. Doing all this, I think, is a grave mistake for the sport of college football as a whole. And obviously, there will be greater ramifications beyond this. There was talk about the Pac-12 expanding. What happens with the remaining teams in the Big 12? What does the Big 10 do? What does Notre Dame end up doing? What does the ACC do, given their proximity to the SEC specifically, with those end-of-season games. This is just the beginning when it comes to, I think, another round of SEC or, uh, of college football expansion and realignment. And at the end of the day, I think this is terrible for the common fan. I think it's terrible for the sport of college football. And yet it's going to happen anyway. I think back to the Super League uh, that had been proposed in Europe, and there were riots, and not riots, but there were protests. There were fans breaking into games and, and breaking into stadiums trying to prevent them from being played because of their outrage at what had happened with their teams and the years of tradition that they were going to throw away to chase money. The way college football is set up right now, this train has already left the station. These schools, this SEC, it could grow to 24 teams. I, if, you, if you made me make a prediction, I think that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. And it's just going to become a full-fledged minor league NFL. It's going to become a, a super league, so to speak. And I just think that's worse for the college football sport and college football ecosystem as a whole. And, you know, maybe we get some great games out of it. Maybe Texas, Georgia and Oklahoma becomes a rivalry. But at the end of the day, for the average college football fan, I think this expansion and realignment is just going to make a sport that has already changed quite a bit over the last 15 years, even more unrecognizable and just into a worse version of the NFL. And with that, we will open it up to your questions and comments. Yeah, Randy Hall, college football has changed considerably. considerably, considerably use your words, in this offseason, transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, and now realignment. This, this sport, which for probably 90 years was, was somewhat static, you knew what you were getting, in the last 20, 25 years, it has just become totally different. It's become much more uh, of a true minor league system rather than you know stuff guys like BA and Jeff grew up with where you had sort of the regional love and whatnot, and they were – chasing that dollar and at the end of the day I unfortunately think it is a worst 
it's just bad for the sport of college football as a whole, which while I'm an NFL fan, I love the traditional aspects of college. I love that Georgia plays Georgia tech every year, mostly because Georgia wins those games. I, I love going down to Jacksonville for Georgia, Florida. Um, those sort of aspects are just going to continue to erode as, as schools try and chase money and, and become the most profitable versions of themselves. Uh, Green Soldier doesn't think Oklahoma's a shoo-in. I probably agree that they're not a shoo-in, but at the same point in time, they're absolutely going to be a threat and a candidate to make the college football playoff, uh, I think, more often than not, especially if we're going to a 12-team league. Because, well, yes, they've gotten blown out when they played in Alabama and LSU. They choked away a game against Georgia. They're still pretty consistently, I think, one of the top teams. And at the positions that really matters now in college football, quarterback, and wide receiver, they recruit those positions as well as anybody. So they're going to be able, I think, to score a lot in this new way of college football. And while on an individual game, say against a Texas A&M or Georgia, they might lose just because they don't have the horses up front. I do think more often than not, they're going to be able to win most of those games. And I think if you're winning 10 games in a 16-team SEC league, you're probably making the college football playoff when it expands to 12 teams. So a four-teamer, I'll be interested to see, especially depending on which teams they play. If they don't have to play Alabama, you know, I, I certainly think there's an easier chance of them making it there, but I think that's an interesting point. Um, let's see. Uh, Davis Panner asks, when is Notre Dame going to be forced to join the SEC? I think Notre Dame is the last, the last domino to fall here to use a, a butchered analogy I used earlier. They're in a, a very good spot to where they can be patient and wait for everything else to sort of shake out and make the decision that is best for them. I know a lot of people want to see them join a conference, but look, last year they were in the ACC and they were pretty clearly the second best team in that league. And I know they lost to Clemson in the ACC title game, but they also beat them in uh, earlier in the season when that game was played at Notre Dame. So I, I believe Notre Dame plays a tougher schedule when they go non-conference. I think it's better for Notre Dame in particular that they are out of conference or they are not in a conference, that they are an independent. And I'd point out that Jack Swarbrook, the Notre Dame athletic director, was on that same exploratory committee with Greg Sankey in terms of expanding the college football playoff. And I believe Swarbrook is very well plugged in into what is going on. And so he will not be left at the altar, so to speak. I think Notre Dame is going to be just fine. When that happens, we don't know. I actually think you know, the idea of Texas being an independent, I think it'd be made, made a little appealing. They obviously have the Longhorn Network and they pretty clearly see themselves as a step above everyone else. While Oklahoma joining the SEC, I think makes a lot of sense in some regards. I, I think Texas maybe should have probably, I would say probably, but I think they should have considered going the independent round a la Notre Dame. Um, John Paul Williams, what can we do to protest? I, it, that's the thing. Like, sit in on universities, you know, not go to games. I, I, it's just, this train is already so far down the, the road and there's just unfortunately not much that can be done at this point. I mean, you can ask Jerry Moorhead what he feels on this, but he's the president of Georgia and he's just one vote out of 14. And so, you know, again, the way the SEC has worked, it is, they work in lockstep. They are one unit. That is why I think a big reason why, they are the best conference in the country when it comes to at least football because they know exactly what they are doing. They are all in agreement. And while they might not like it at the beginning of the end, at the beginning of the process, like I don't think Texas A&M was thrilled when they found out that Texas and Oklahoma were going to be joining the conference. I do think that by the end, they're going to be in solidarity with the rest of these members in this league. Um, let's see. 
Uh, Jay Hart, I do think the SEC presidents will vote yes. I think it'll be a 14, um, a 14-0 vote. As much as, as much as um, you know, Texas A&M isn't happy about it, they're going to end up voting yes. Uh, let's see. Exactly, you know, Green Soldier. There's, there's just not much that they can do there. So, um, let's see. Questions, comments, ask away. We'll probably do like two or three more good ones before signing off for tonight. Um, Alpha Dog brings up, yeah, I, I, I will say, I, I think it's good. Um, the one, I guess, thing I would be okay with is when you add Texas and Oklahoma, it gives you a legitimate reason to just rip up the current schedule slate. No more going six years without seeing a team, as he, as he points out there. I do think that's probably the one thing that I'm in favor in. And as I said earlier on the show, I would probably lean keeping the divisional format over the pod system because I think that forsakes the rivalries a little bit. And again, in, in the expanded division setup where you do add a ninth game, which would be a step up from the SEC, even though they played 10 games a season ago. If you go to nine games, you're seeing at least every team over a four-year stretch. And over an eight-year stretch, you're playing each team twice. So I do think it increases the familiarity a little bit more. And, and that, I, I think, would be at least enough to satiate people. Yeah, Chester, uh, there's been some reporting out there, though I've been unable to confirm it, that OU in Texas... Um, have to give at least 18 months notice. So using my math here a little bit, that aligns a little bit more with the start of the 2023-2024 season. So I, I, again, I think that 2023-2024 academic year, so to speak of, this 2023 college football season, which is potentially the first year of the expanded college football playoff and also the first year of the new SEC television deal with ESPN Disney, I think that's probably what you're looking at in terms of a timeline here. At least that is my somewhat educated, though I'm personally not educated guess. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested in what you guys think about the pod system. Obviously, there are parts of the college football internet that are very much in favor of it. But, you know, again, I'm a traditionalist. I like the rivalries. And the idea of giving up Georgia-Auburn, teams that have played every, uh, every year, but... Uh, for the last 100 years, except for 1943, quite literally the deep South's oldest rivalry. If you're throwing that away for a pod system, I don't know if I'm in favor of that. Now, Wes Jackson on Twitter, good Twitter follower. Uh, if you're a Georgia fan brought up going an eight game schedule with pods and one permanent division, or permanent non pod opponent. And it, it does work out, but I want to see, I, I, I think, Again, it's a tough balancing act to strike. How do you keep the rivalries that you love about this sport while also giving, quite frankly, this conference a more conferency feel as opposed to two separate divisions? Because you know, as it stands right now, it still very much feels East versus West, just given you know, Georgia doesn't see LSU all that often. They don't see Mississippi State all that often. They don't play Texas A&M until 2024. So with all that in mind, you know, how do you balance – Finding fi playing those rivalry games, we're also seeing as much of the conference as you can. So, uh, let's see one more question, and we'll get out of there. 
Uh, this is a good question. Dog Central. If Alabama and Georgia are hypothetically both in the East, who benefits more? How will it change recruiting? Uh, short term, I'd probably say it benefits Alabama a little bit more because, yeah, quite frankly, as the way the East has been these, this past decade, really, you give up playing LSU and Texas A&M every year and you just add Georgia. And I, I don't think Florida is right now on the same caliber as Texas A&M and LSU, quite frankly, and on a consistent basis anyway. And I know LSU stunk last year and, and A&M was a seven-win team before, but I, I think they benefit there a little bit. I mean, the big question with Alabama is just now, I just really think you're waiting for Nick Saban to retire. That's not saying that Georgia can't beat Alabama with him there, but Nick Saban has this thing working like working like clockwork. I mean, you saw today, if you saw today, David Shaw made some comments out there at Pac-12 media days that kind of perfectly illustrate what Nick Saban was doing. And the, the, the big quote was, it's not market value, it's Alabama value. And that kind of goes to show that Alabama value is so significantly above what market value would be for some of these players when it comes to name, image, and likeness that it's absolutely a massive recruiting edge for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So as long as Saban is there, it, 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 the answer to me is Alabama. You know, 10 years from now, uh, you know, if Saban is no longer there. I think it's a, maybe a little bit of a different argument. But right now, I think moving Alabama to the East makes, certainly makes it harder for Georgia to win the SEC East on an annual basis. And on that alone, I would say it benefits Alabama more. Um... Jermaine King, see, I, he brings up a Game of Thrones reference, and we'll get out of here on this. I think this is really good uh, political maneuvering by Greg Sankey. I mean, look, his job as SEC commissioner, it's not necessarily to, to serve the common fan. It is to make these institutions that he represents, these school presidents, as much money as they possibly can and look out for the best interests of the league and not, again, not necessarily so much the fans. And, and Looking around the rest of the country, Kevin Warren in the Big Ten is a new commissioner. Jim Phillips in the ACC is a new commissioner. The Pac-12 has a new commissioner after Larry Scott finally stepped down. You have all this changeover among these other Power Five commissioners. The NCAA is in extreme turmoil with just how they have not been able to handle anything at all. And it's great maneuvering by Sankey to get exactly what he wants. And again, just position the SEC as the best conference in the country. And so while I understand why some people might, might not be happy with him from a Game of Thrones perspective, I mean, I just got to tip my cap. That's just great political maneuvering on his part and sort of doing what needs to be done to, to show that he is an adept leader and sort of being the face of change. And that's, I, I think, what he wants to be and wants the SEC to be when it comes to the forefront of this. So, all right, that'll do it for us tonight. We will have a ton of more shows, a ton of more content on this this week. You obviously have uh, Jeff Centel. He's back from vacation with Before the Hedges. This is a very important recruiting weekend. Uh, Unless you really follow it, you might not know that. But it's sort of a one-off weekend, and you get a chance to host a lot of visitors. I think it'll be very telling about who shows up and where Georgia is in terms of their recruitments. Uh, I'm not sure yet if we're doing a cover four this week, but we have uh, Brandon Adams doing Dog Nation Daily every Monday through Thursday, or Monday through Friday, excuse me. Monday, you have uh, On the Beat with Mike Griffith. And on Sunday nights, again, KM Square. Check it out. It's a really great content series we're doing with Georgia running backs, Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh. They've said a ton of interesting stuff this past week. They had their two dads on. It was a really illuminating, you know, it was only 40 minutes. It was a 40-minute show, but we could have at least gone 
an hour there. So I would encourage you to check that out on Sunday nights. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and coverage. We do this every Tuesday night. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. Hopefully I answered some of your questions about what comes next with Texas, Oklahoma, and Georgia football. But for Connor Riley, Dog Nation, we will see you guys next Tuesday.